Hello, everybody, and welcome to Q. I'm very proud of this place, and I'll tell you why. Because we're dealing with things that matter, not just what we have told should matter, or what we think is a, um, a religious story that we've been told that we have to go along with. We're trying to say, okay, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ and what he did in the context of him being life and in him we live and, uh, live and have our being in this very moment? And that's what we're seeking to look at. Um, first of all, I just want to say sorry if you're feeling a bit chilly tonight. There are a few people going to get a spanking next week. No, so you're not bothered about that either. Okay, that's fine. Um, I'm sorry if you're a bit cold. But maybe as we can warm you up, can we? With some good stuff. I was thrilled last week with um, uh, Ruth and what she brought with Q Without You. It was great. And uh, I love it when I feel people are catching me up. And I know that sounds very arrogant and proud. But it's lovely because I think, yeah, they get it. And it's lovely. I think great stuff. And uh, we're hoping to take a little bit, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, another step on that journey tonight as we talk about the moment. And it excites me a lot. Um, we talked last week about the concept and the importance of living in the now. Um, and some of us understand this. We get it that we, it's silly to drag the past into the now and it's very silly to be constantly thinking about planning for the future in the now. We get it. You don't, it's not sensible. But somehow, knowing that doesn't change what we do. Isn't that the case? And uh, we know that it robs the presence and the present moment of significance, but we still do it all the same. So if we're going to go on to take you further into the understanding of what it is to live in the now, we have to ask, you know, how do we do it? What is this about? And um, we've spent a lot of time this week trying to break it down. And by no means will we do the full job tonight, but we're opening up the conversation. And I hope you're prepared to do that with us because we do believe this is for your good. Now, we're actually very good at the practice of doing. We all know how to do stuff and we get along and do things, but we're not actually very good at the practice of being. And um, even if we think we can live in the moment, usually it's associated with doing. <laughs> Be honest, even in the moment we're thinking, what's this going to do for me? What's it going to do to affect my life? So it's our intention to clarify this tonight uh, because living in the moment is far more than just concentrating on what I am doing right now. So I'm on this stage, I'm stuck here, I am present, I am in this moment, but it's a lot more to do with that. And if we say we're concentrating on the moment, what happens if the person in that moment is living in incredible pain and incredible difficulty, what then? It's a, it's a bit of a different story, isn't it? So it has to be something deeper than that. So living in the moment is nothing to do with what is going on. It's something far more fundamental to us all. It's actually about our breath. 
Did you hear that? It's about our breath. Now, I feel very strongly about this because I feel the West has been totally duped in its religious pursuits. Uh, and whereas the, the, the East went and pursued far more uh, fundamental things about being and presence and, and the I am nature, we got sent down another alley. And I think we're trying to correct that a little bit. Uh, and I'm quite happy to be a bit unconventional and maybe it's because called a heretic, but that's all right by me. Uh, so it's about breathing. Now, in all the religions of the world, there is a word that's central to beliefs and represents the energy or the, the life flow that is in everything. And, uh, you know, if it's in India, it's prana. Chinese, it's the chi. In uh, Greek, it's pneuma. In Hebrew, it was the ruach. For native Indians, it was the great spirit. See, it's the thing that unites all humanity. It's the breath. It's the air that we breathe. And uh, we're going to talk about the importance of breath tonight. So are you aware, get this right from the start, that every time you focus, now I didn't say breathe, but I said focus on your breath, you actually focus on God. That is quite a powerful thing to say. Now, we, we breathe in every second of the, of the day, but you're not always focusing on your breath. And be honest, how many times do you consider your breathing? But it's so important that when you focus on your breath, you actually, in that moment, are one and focusing on God himself. So breathing is a momentary thing, and with every breath, it reinforces a very powerful understanding about who I am. Because you see, when I breathe, I am being. Just as God is I am, and he is being itself. There is not a I was or a I will be, but only I am. Now that is incredible and I hope it knocks your socks off already tonight, right at the, the, the introduction because it's so powerful. I am is the only thing that exists. It's ongoing and ever-present. For example, what was presence, uh, present in your experience five minutes ago or even five years ago or 50 years ago or 500 years ago? We come back to the common denominator that, in fact, all that is present is the I am of our existence. It's an I, I amness. And I just love that phrase, I amness. It's great. And that's why Jesus could say, and it's a wonderful phrase, and again, it's excited me this week, that before Abraham was, he said, I am. He didn't say before Abraham was, I was, he says before Abraham was, I am. And therefore, in every moment, the thing that we have that is so incredible is the I am-ness. So when we recognize that this I am-ness is actually the name of God, we find that God is as close as the air that we breathe, and God is available and accessible as the thing we do automatically every second we breathe. But we get so busy with the stuff and the objects of life that we lose the sound of our breath. Now, I didn't say we lose sight of our breath, but we lose the sound of our breath. 
And here in the West, we have not been encouraged to listen to our breath. And in fact, we have been told that it wasn't important and that God was to be found somewhere else. But tonight, I want to encourage you as you listen that God is actually in every breath that we take. Thank you. All right. Did Kate make it in tonight? No. So I'll give a shout out to Kate. Kate's been struggling with uh, this bronchitis problem again, and they're due to go on their uh, anniversary to Jamaica in a week's time. So we just send life and breath and hope. And Kate, if you're watching, we love you. And uh, may the breath of God breathe on you. In, um, right in the beginning of the narrative of the Bible, we are introduced to models that are trying to shape our thinking about who or what God is and how the world works. And uh, sadly, often religious thinking has taken us away from the context that this has and tried to make it into an institutionalized thing where when we reshape it, it doesn't say what actually the narrative and the writers were originally trying to say. And uh, there is a lot more significance in the verse in Genesis in chapter 2, verse 7, when it talks about God forming man from the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life. There's a lot more context to that than just, this is how the model that was created found some animation. There is a nuance and an essence in there that is telling us about how life is imparted into things that have no life. And uh, right from the beginning of Genesis in chapter 1 and verse 1, we're introduced to this idea of breath and spirit and, and creation and the solving of chaos and the coming of life. And it uses poetic words because it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It was out without form, it was empty, it was void. And it talks about the Spirit of God moved over the face of the deep which actually the Hebrew word there is ruach, and the Hebrew word for ruach is the same word as the Hebrew word for breath, in the same way that the Greek word pneuma is the same word for breath, and both of those words also mean breath and mean spirit, and then from that it says, and God said, and then we begin to see a transition of things from the words that come because of the breath that is breathed from the God who exists. Now, what's interesting about that is, that, um, that as that story develops, one day this guy called Moses is talking to a bush, which, you know, you, you can get in serious trouble for talking to bushes, I suppose, unless you're Prince Charles, who uh, he seems to do it. I'm not sure the bush talks back. But in the context of this wonderful story, it, it appears that in, in the writing that God appeared to Abraham and spoke to him from this bush that was burning. Now, the significant thing about that is that was an attraction that drew Moses and the attraction was not bushes can burn and not burn up. The attraction was God got Moses' attention and God wanted to show him something. What is interesting in that is that Moses had the nerve to ask God, who are you? And he took it one further. God, what is your name? What are we supposed to 
call you? How do we, how do we refer to you? Uh, the good thing is God was gracious enough to answer, uh, which is probably a bigger miracle than the burning bush or anything else, that when Moses challenged him, God was, God was gracious enough to answer. But the name that he gave is recorded in the original Hebrew as YH. W-H, or sometimes people vote a V, not Y-M-C-H, that's another story, that's another song, it's not the same thing, but it was Y-W-Y-H-W-H. Now what is interesting is that word that God said his name was is not made up with any vowels, and vowels are what give a word their sound. So God's name had no vowels. It was only made up of the consonants that in the Hebrew alphabet are articulated with the lips and the tongue. And rather than being articulated with the lips and the tongue, they are breathed with the tongue relaxed and the lips apart. You can't, if you make form words, you use your tongue and your lips to form words. But why W? Y-H-W-H was spoken without the lips and the tongue. Why? Because you could only breathe the word. The yah was from breathing in and the way was from breathing out. Now, we added some letters to make it sound okay, which was how many of you are familiar with the word Yahweh? But in Yahweh, we added letters in there that were never meant to be there which then turns it into something it was never meant to be because we've now turned God into something that is measurable that we can name rather than something that has the power of breath that you cannot name but its presence has creative energy with it. God breathed and throughout the Bible you will see God breathed. When he gave his spirit, he breathed. He breathed into dead bones in the book of Ezekiel and every time God breathed, life happens. And life happens because he breathed. Now, what's interesting is this YHVH or YHWH, however you would be your way of writing it, uh, was considered literally an unspeakable word for the Jews. And so Jews would never use that word because they said the name of God is unspeakable. And the problem is that they didn't do that because they insisted that the name of God was so holy that we dare not speak it because of how unworthy we are. But the truth is, we couldn't speak it because it wasn't a word that you speak. It's a word that you breathe. And you hear the sound of the breath. And when you hear the sound of the breath, the sound of the breath brings life. See, a wonderful question arises from this that I think is quite exciting to the imagination. What if the name of God is actually the sound of breathing? What if it's not something you locate down to a physical human tag of this as the name tag for the divine? What if it's bigger than that and greater than that and more than that to where it actually is brought down to the sound of breathing? When we consider it this way, God is suddenly as available and accessible as the very thing that we do constantly, which is breathe. And one of the things religion does, it wants to make God inaccessible so itself can fill the gap between the inaccessibility of God and the failure of humanity. And so we create a priesthood 
between us and God. But you see, Jesus came to break that down. He became the breath of God. The Word of God made flesh. It was the breath of God who came and brought that life. What's interesting is if our breath is the name of God, then the first thing a baby does when it's born is speak the name of God. And the last thing a person does before they close their eyes in this thing that we call death is speak the name of God. Each last breath declares the name of the Creator. Each first breath declares the name of the Creator. So think about the miracle of breathing. You can't take a breath yesterday and save it for today. And you can't take a breath today and save it for tomorrow. You can only breathe now. But what I propose to you is that in the wonder of the mystery of the divine and his creation, he made it that every moment that you breathe, God is present and God is sounding. And that sound can create within all of us because it's, yeah, Speaking, the breath you breathe today, the now. See, this unspeakability has long been recognized, but now we go know that it goes even deeper, and we'll cover more about that. Good evening. Um, we're going to read you something tonight that um, might be your response to what you have just just heard, and I, I, I enjoyed reading this. We live in the age of distraction, yet one of life's sharpest paradoxes is that your brightest future hinges on your ability to pay attention to the present. A friend was walking in the desert when he found the telephone to God. The setting was Burning Man, an electronic arts and music festival for which 50,000 people descend on Black Rock City, Nevada, for eight days of radical self-expression. Dancing, socializing, meditating, and debauchery. What an event. Um, a phone booth in the middle of the desert with a sign that said, Talk to God, was a surreal sight, even at Burning Man. The idea was that you picked up the phone and God, or someone claiming to be God, would be the other end to ease your pain. So when God came on the line asking how he could help, my friend was ready. How can I live more in the moment, he asked. Too often he felt the beautiful moments of his life were drowned out by a cacophony of self-consciousness and anxiety. What could he do to hush the buzzing of his mind? Breathe, replied a soothe male, soothing male voice. My friend flinched at the tired new age mantra, then reminded himself to keep an open mind. When God talks, you listen. Whenever you feel anxious about your future or your past, just breathe, continued God. Try it with me a few times right now. Breathe in, breathe out. And despite himself, my friend began to relax. You are not your thoughts. Life unfolds in the present. But so often, we let the present slip away, allowing time to rush past unobserved and unseized and squandering the precious seconds of our life as we worry about the future and ruminate about what's past. 
We're living in a world that contributes in a major way to mental fragmentation, disintegration, distraction, decoherence, says Buddhist scholar B. Alan Wallace. We're always doing something and we allow little time to practice stillness and calm. When we're at work, we fantasize about being on vacation. On vacation, we worry about the work piling up on our desks. We dwell on intrusive memories of the past or fret about what may or may not happen in the future. We don't appreciate the living present because our monkey minds, as Buddhists call them, vault from thought to thought like monkeys swinging from tree to tree. In order to feel more in control of our minds and our lives, to find the sense of balance that eludes us, we need to step out of the current, to pause, rest in stillness, to stop doing and focus on just being. Right. So, I always find that in one hour, <clears throat> on a Sunday, <clears throat> we're having to be very quick at getting over the points that we want. And uh, sometimes I don't think an hour is enough, but we do what we do very well, I believe. What you've just been watching there is, for me, a very, very powerful culmination of what we've been trying to say tonight. Because we started off by saying that God was available and as accessible as the air that we breathe in our breathing in and out. But then by the end, we've come to the point where there's a guy who is bottling air and selling it to people because he is saying to them, this is what you need, and without it, you cannot survive. Now, if that isn't a picture of what has happened in our world with the free, wonderful gift of air that we have been given... And the association with that, like Anth wonderfully brought, that as we breathe uh, in and we breathe out, we are breathing the name of God. Yet we've been told that somehow it wasn't available to us. Isn't that what we've been told and what we've been encouraged to believe? And it always means then that it's somewhere out there. It's something that's got to be attained. We have to somehow find a way of, of, of purchasing it or being good enough to have it. And in the end, we somehow uh, live with this lie that God is out there and I am here. And somehow uh, there's this great gulf between us when it's actually happening right here right now now that's why that clip really thrills me because if there's anybody so anti and Anth wants me to use the word established religion as opposed to just religion um, in order that it's not uh, misunderstood if anybody's upset with it it's me because I am tired of people being told that things aren't available right here right now it's on the very tip of their tongue, it's on the breath that they breathe, and that is where God is for us, every one of us. Now, can you see why I'm upset? And of course, you see what religion does, it creates the problem so that you have to have more. So you heard the line that it says, and of course, the smog from creating all the plastic bottles is going to make people buy more. And what do we see in the world? That people are constantly striving which leads me to what was going on on the stage? Did you see a lot of striving going on to blow that ball where he needed to go round that thing? 
Why? Because they wanted to win. And it was a wonderful game. It was exciting. And there was something, you know, in the whole idea of winning. And people like to win. But think of the striving that went on. At one point, the ball nearly fell down those stairs with Riley. And I must admit, for a minute, I'm thinking, "Ah, what's going to happen? And you see, religion doesn't cover those things. What happens when your ball, or should I put it this way, your cheese falls off your cracker? Come on. What happens then? Oh, Oh, well, you, ha- you, you didn't believe enough. You weren't good enough. You weren't this enough. It never covers those things, does it? And that's why what we've tried to bring tonight, and I hope it's inspired you, that we are telling you, don't settle for bottled air. Don't buy it. Realize that it's within you. It comes, oh, and I love the idea of the baby. It takes its first breath. And then in the last breath that we ever take, the name of God is on our, uh, 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 in our breath. And then we, people will say, well, what happens then? Do you know what? We just, the baby was here and then took a breath and lived in another realm. What happens with us? We take our last breath here and we enter another realm. Don't ask me what that is. I don't care particularly. All I know is that we will breathe somewhere else because the breath of God is infinite. It is never going to stop. It is ongoing. It's ever present and it's forever part of the whole uh, construct of it all. Now, just very quickly, because we've got just a couple more minutes, there's a a little parallel uh, with a story that I once read in a book and I won't read it. I'll just try to remember it. It's a little bit of parallel to a, a merchant standing by a river and selling water to people, saying that if you're thirsty, here, come and have some water, and you can buy some water from me. And what we're really getting at in this whole thing tonight is that don't be duped. You have got the, the, the air in your being, you've got the breath inside of you, and every breath you, you take. Now, let's just go with this for a second. Even in psychology... We are told that if you get yourself in a real state, just stop for a moment and breathe and listen to your breath and immediately it will start to calm you. Now, why is that? Because most of the time, our breathing escalates with panic. Why? Because we're worried. We're getting ourselves all. But if we bring it just down into the moment and just listen to the sound of our breath, we find that things start to level out and we become uh, at one with the moment. Now, again, most of the time, we can't leave the past and we can't leave the future alone. Therefore, we're only ever, like uh, Ruth said last week, we're borrowing. We're borrowing from the past. We're borrowing from the future rather than in this very second doing what we call being I am in this moment. And the name of God is I am. So my I am joins with his I am. And in that moment, we are one. And what I would like you just to do right now is I want you just to breathe. Shut your eyes and just concentrate 
on your breathing. Breathe in and out a few times. Now, what's interesting is your mind will try and stop you concentrating on your breath. Your mind will take you all over the, all over the place. Why? Because in this present moment, if you will just be still, that's where there is healing because you connect with the oneness of almighty I am. Now, the reason why I want you to do that is just to get the idea because most of us are so busy rushing around our day that we never for one moment just stop and listen. That we used to sing a song, be still and know that I am God. And it all sounds very hierarchical and authoritative. You know, be still and just know that I am God. But how about be still and be, because in that moment you associate and attach with being itself. And when you attach with being itself, all the resources of a spiritual realm are at your disposal. So what I'd like to offer you in just this week that's coming up, instead of thinking, well, when I, I've got to live in the now, just stop and breathe and listen to the sound of your breath. And as you breathe in, you'll realize that you are proclaiming the name of God. Thank you. Just give me one minute, boys, before you run the uh, lights on. I just wanted to, to throw one thing in here. Some of you will listen and think it's all right for everybody else, but if we are made in the image of our Creator, and if we believe that the universe is a created thing and not an accident or by chance, then it would mean that who we are reflects who God is. Otherwise, for all of you that say we're made in his likeness and his image, if you don't believe that, you don't believe we're made in his likeness and his image. You believe we're made in some lesser thing. And the reality is this, that how many of you since you walked in this building tonight have thought about breathing? You see, there are two ways that we work that God has created in us and in the universe. One is called voluntary. Voluntary, I can lift my arm, I choose to lift my arm. I can turn my head, I choose to turn my head. But I have no control over breathing. So I can breathe fast, I can breathe slow, but you're going to breathe. You are going to breathe, you will not stop breathing. You will breathe because it's called involuntary. Every major organ in your body operates involuntarily, which means you put no effort or design into making it do what it's supposed to do. It does it because you were made that way. My point is this, that we breathe involuntarily because God built that into us so that every one of us, all of the time, are breathing in the essence of who he is and breathing out the essence of who he is. So he is all around us just like the oxygen and he is within us, is outside of us, is within us and we breathe and the consequence of that is something called life. You actually don't have to try to do everything you need to do in order for that divine life to flow in 
and out of you. It's already happening. What you have to do is acknowledge it, recognize it, and live with it in this moment as you breathe. As Chris said, when you breathe in and breathe out, live in this moment and with gratefulness thank the Creator, the Divine God, that he is with you, he is in you, he is upon you, he is around you, and what will flow out of you will always be life. Receive it tonight, make it yours.